Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. To the north end of River West this week in Urban Spelunking, heading down to a former tannery that is being redeveloped. In fact, it's one of a few buildings right in that little pocket that are, I think, uh, leading kind of a, a mini renaissance on the north end of River West. Yeah, so this tannery that used to cover 300,000 square feet wow. of factory space on Fratney, just a little bit south of Vienna, kind of, kind of by Nash. Um, and one of the buildings has now been a, a local natural pet food manufacturer for a while, but the building next door, at which had been covered in this sheet metal, it just looked like a shed, really. It looked just like an oversized shed because of the sheet metal, um, was bought by these two partners who also own the building next door. And one of those partners owns another building in the neighborhood that has stuff going on. And I think they're going to try and rehab these two buildings next to each other on Fratney and kind of help sort of boost this industrial neighborhood into sort of an arts hub. So one of them is home to um, this place called the Goat Palace, and that's going to be redeveloped. Yeah. So um, the Goat Palace is a, for the, a former uh, foundry okay. right next door to this old tannery building. Um, and it's just a big, giant, open space and they're gonna. They have done some pop-up events in there before, and they call it the Goat Palace. Um, and it's got. It's on a huge plot of land too, so they could do like a huge garden out there. Um, and they're raising money right now to try and begin converting that into like a proper event space with a commercial kitchen and a permanent bar and all of that. I mean, to me, it's just like a perfect symbol of Milwaukee past and present. You, you've got a foundry next to a tannery, and it's being redeveloped into this like artistic hub with like an event space next yeah, to it. You yeah, know? and one of the partners owns a building um, a little further up um, that is home to Gathering Place Brewery and um, to Flux Design. Flux Design, yeah. So yeah, I mean, all of that's really in like, basically like a one block zone from each other. And across the street from Gathering Place, there's that spike brewing equipment. And I mean, there's all sorts of other stuff that's kind of starting to happen around there too. Um, so what they want to do with this foundry building though, is they want to turn it into studios for artists and makers. The first floor... Um, at the moment is being rented to the uh, pet food company for storage. So that's good. They have some income coming in that's going to help funding the work. There's a space in the front of that um, on the first floor that they can turn into something. They're, they're sort of pondering what that will be. Um, but the second floor is where there's going to be these like 17 studios. So 17 studios. Yeah. So yeah, and they're going to be different sizes. Of... And yeah, visual artists, whatever, painters, makers, all kinds of Anybody who needs that kind of space. And, like, heat will be included and there'll be Wi-Fi. Reminds me of, like, the like the Lincoln Warehouse in Bayview. Absolutely. Um, we've seen a lot of these kind of developments that are for artists and makers um, that really just have kind of outgrown their space, whether that's in a their own residence or in a garage somewhere, mm-hmm. to have a, their own dedicated space to really get into their craft. And look at the Lincoln Warehouse, all the businesses that yeah. have come out of that over the past few years. It's amazing. And so many of them have, out, have done so well. They've actually outgrown the Lincoln yeah. Warehouse and have moved out and developed uh, businesses in other neighborhoods and made way in the Lincoln Warehouse for a new set of people to come in and do that. So I think that's exactly the kind of thing they're hoping for here. So we're talking about these two buildings. There's the Goat Palace and there's this tannery. Goat Palace is a little bit further along, it sounds like. Um, or are they both no, the they're, same? No, they're both kind of moving along. They're, they're doing the work already on the studios. Um, and that first phase, um, I think, would come online by the beginning of next year. Okay. So that's pretty close. And Goat Palace, they're just uh, trying to finish up some financing stuff, and then as soon as that's done, they can start construction, and I think that would be done um, later next year. 
There's a quote in your story where they say that they're not going to quite be ready in time for the DNC. And I almost thought that's refreshing. It's good to hear like, you know, there's there's life after the DNC and mm-hmm. Milwaukee's going to be here beyond that. And it's, I think, almost great. It's almost better, I think, that it's not this huge rush to get it done before then because it's not really for that to begin with. Right. You know, but I think it's funny how that's on everybody's radar. Though. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, it's how, I we, it's how we measure time. And now. I didn't even ask. I didn't say, is this going to be ready for DNC? It's just like, it's ever it's forefront of everybody's minds that they're just like, it will or won't be ready. Like, that's just how everybody's thinking at the moment. Yeah. It's almost refreshing to, to yeah. you know, there's... There will be life after. <laughs> yes. So these buildings have been here for more than 100 years. We talk about a tannery and a, and a foundry. Of course, they have their own histories that you uncovered while researching this whole project. We're going to talk about that next in Urban Spelunking and find out about some of the international exporting that happened from these buildings. That's next in Urban Spelunking. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and to Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out our donor benefits and the thank you gifts you can get to show off your 88.9 pride. And we're back at this development in River West as it's undergoing um, this 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 renovation to create this arts district on the uh, northern end of River West. We're on Nash and Fratney near Vienna, and I guess let's let's back up to the the very beginning, going back about a hundred years or more to when these were two buildings that were doing what Milwaukee did best, you know, being a foundry and a tannery. You you know I can't just get the story about how they're making some artist studios in an old building and not. Figure out right. What was this old building? Right? Yeah. So what was going on there for all um, these years? So it's hard to tell exactly when they were built, although they were built over time. You can tell it's sort of like uh, uh, pieces added over time to the complex. Um, but the first reference I found to it in the newspapers was 1919, and there was a tanner there. I mean, 1918. I'm sorry. There was a tanner there um, who appeared in the paper only that year, and then the next year, uh, Jay Laskin Sons took over that space, and they stayed there till 1955. I was going to say, that sounds like a Milwaukee name I've seen on signs or just have known about the Laskins. Yeah, I think they were originally from Chicago. The dad, uh, Jacob Laskin, was a tanner and fur manufacturer in Chicago. Okay. And the boys were born in Chicago. The dad was from Russia. Um, And they came up to Milwaukee and they were sort of boarding together. Uh, They were living as boarders together in a a place on Broadway downtown when they got the business going. Um, And... Myron was in charge of sort of the technical side, and his brother Arthur was more the sales and kind of business guy. Um, and they ran this tannery, and they partnered initially with a, a firm from um, uh, Budapest that had come up with some special technique for processing uh, sheepskins into what was like beaver pelts. Yes, <laughs> I love I love the uh, the old hand drawn ad that you found. In your research, there's a woman wearing a fur coat, and the copy says, uh, your friends will be amazed how closely it resembles the sheen and feel of beaver. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> My uh, friends would definitely be welcome. Right? Yeah. And it's this woman, very luxurious-looking lady in a, in a fur coat, and then on the bottom it says, Jay Laskin and Sons Corp, New York, Milwaukee. And it's just so interesting when, when you see those old ads where Milwaukee's showing up, you know, that's that's the second base, New York and Milwaukee. Yeah, kind of shows you the prominence that Milwaukee had in this industry at the time. Well, really, Milwaukee was was home plate. You know, the New York office they just opened as like a sales office, yeah. and Arthur ended up going out to New York to run the sales office, and uh, Myron stayed here where the factory was. And you know, 
by around the end of the Second World War, they employed 600 people at that plant. Wow. I mean, it was huge. And they were turning out like 100,000 uh, sheepskin, enough uh, for 100,000 sheepskin coats a year. Um, so it was a booming, a booming place. It was really, you know, they did rabbit fur. They did um, this special process that we talked about, which was like called mouton, which is French, I think. Yes, cheap. that's very good um, French. Thank you. Um, <laughs> merci. Um, Even better. Yes. So, oh, and then interestingly, 1930, they um, they have they come up with this process to tan uh, leather and fur to prevent it from cracking, but to make it also resistant to not only water but also oil and mm-hmm. jet fuel because okay. they got the um, United States Army Air Corps, which becomes the Air Force later, um, contract to supply flight suits and special boots to pilots yeah to guys in aircraft so in the 30s they're doing this um and it's a big account of one of those like 1937 or something it was like a the equivalent of more than a million dollars in business with the army um and then when world war ii breaks out they start supplying these things to the british and that's that global exporting we were talking about yes but also importing because they were getting the the uh the animal hides were coming from South Africa. They were coming from Australia. They were coming from South America. Um, so there was this whole sort of global thing going on. But so then when the war breaks out, they start. They become strictly a supplier to the United States Army. They become a defense plant, basically. Wow. For the entire war, they stop selling commercially. They're not making women's coats and, anymore and sending things to gimbals. They're just making stuff for the for the military. Yeah. Which Light is interesting. Suits. Yeah, and then during the war, there's also some strikes because there's, you know, the people demand higher pay. And because some of the, the, you look through the newspapers, you see a fair number of uh, re- reports about fires there, explosions there, people being injured. So I think people felt like they deserved a, a fair wage, of yeah. course, to be working in this kind of uh, situation. And this was, a, this was a tough business, right? I mean, it was you a were tough business. physical, kind of gross and oh yeah and there were complaints <laughs> in the neighborhood about the smell i mean it was you know it was there was a lot of chemicals there was the i'm sure the smell of death <laughs> from these pelts you know yeah. and, um and yeah and it was noisy and yeah so it was a uh, it was definitely something that people deserve to be paid <laughs> to do you know yeah you think about all these industries that used to exist that you know and present it, present day we have these these industries too but just um you know all this for a coat you know, yes, all this for right. for a luxurious coat for for somebody to wear. There was a whole and it wasn't even export. a real beaver coat. <laughs> all right. this for a coat that you would just amaze your friends by tricking them into thinking it was something that it wasn't. <laughs> and just the idea that beavers were that was like top of the line. You know, like right. What's right. happened to fur? Nobody. Well, really none wears of us. Fur none of us would even be sitting here probably if it wasn't for like beavers and and things like that because that's why the French fur traders came. Yeah, the humble beaver. Right. Yeah. Right. Poor guy <laughs> and gal, um, keeping you so warm. Yeah. So anyway, by '55, the you know after the war, they're they're still doing booming business. And like 1951, the brothers decide to retire, though they stay on the board. And then by '55, um, for whatever reason, the business just kind of winds down and closes. Um, Was fur going out of fashion at that point? It might have been starting yeah. to go out of fashion at that point. Um, but also they might have, uh, I'm not sure they still had those government contracts anymore, which I don't see any more references to that. Um, so maybe they lost a big chunk of business with that. Um, and, um, so for the past few decades, the building that's now going to be the artist studios and that, um, was sort of a, a shop 
fixtures business. Okay. It, when, when stores were closing, they'd go in and they'd pull out all the fixtures and then they'd resell them. And stuff. Got it. Yeah. Well, up until recently, this building was covered up in sheet metal. And I think that is, uh, you, you look at the before and after in the article. It's stunning, isn't it? Even yeah. if they did nothing else, it would be, we'd be better off for that, right? So th- I assume that they put the sheet metal up to protect it for all these years. Because yeah. they, was the building vacant at any point or was it just? Uh, I'm not sure that it was vacant because there was a tenant when these guys bought it. There was, this, this company had been in there for, um, I'm not sure exactly how long, but a long time. And, you know, the... The Coakleys said that the reason that they did it on the King Drive building, which used to be Schuster's, and now that's coming off, uh, that facade is coming off there too, um, said it was partially because the, there was a tendency for people to do vandalism to the windows, mm-hmm. but also it helped in terms, in a, in a drafty old building with old windows, it helped in terms of um, efficiency because yeah. they would put insulation, between, you know, underneath the, the sheet metal was, was some insulation. So it was some of both of those things, I bet. Yeah. Well, with when those when those panels come come off, it's just wow. Those windows are there. The red brick is still there. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like calling to be this this creative space. Oh, I know. And the one on King Drive is even more beautiful. So that's going to be incredible when it's all completely off and finished. And um, there's another one that people see all the time that I don't know if they notice. Um, that's on First and National, on the southeast corner. It was like Select Sound Service was there. Um, Got a picture of that first national. It's Kitty Corner from what was Long Timers. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and if you see old photos of that, again, it's an old, you know, turn of the 20th century building um, that has some decoration and stuff on the outside. But for, you know, I don't know, as long as I can remember, at least 40 years, there's been this sheet metal on the front, and you can't see any of it. Well, the sheet metal's gone, and it's a new chapter for both of these buildings in River West, on the north end of River West. Yes. Um, the, future, the south end of the north end. Yeah, the south <laughs> end of the north end of River West. Future home to this creative hub in River West for artists and makers, right next door to a event space with a bar. So it'll be really interesting to see when this all comes together. And what, what is the timeline? Uh, the timeline for the studios is early next year. Um, and then the timeline for the Goat Palace event space is a little further out, I think later next year. Assuming, right. assuming they get their financing together and start when they think they will, which would be this winter. So we'll be looking at we'll be looking at that by 2021. Both uh, both projects plan to be open. They should be, yeah. Well, you can see pictures and much more at radiomilwaukee.org/podcasts and podcasts on 88.9. Are produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from On Milwaukee and your membership. You can subscribe to this podcast and all of 88.9's podcasts at radiomilwaukee.org/podcasts. On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo. Thanks. Thanks.